Hey, Derek, guess what? Hit me with it. We just got a promotion with Audible. Audible, fantastic. I love Audible. Do you know what the cool thing about this deal is? What's that? If our listeners go to audibletrial.com slash supercinemapod, they get a free trial with Audible. And do you know what they get with that? What do they get with that? Tell me. They, they get one free audiobook of their choice, and they get two free Audible originals, which is special content that Audible makes available free for all its uh, subscribers. Are you kidding me? That deal is so good, I may go myself and sign up. Do you think you, they let you keep the books after you're done? No, you're not, you're not going to tell me they let you keep the books after you're done. Yes. In fact, you can go sign up for a trial and you can cancel before the trial ends and you get to keep the books you've already downloaded. Well, I don't see how you can beat that with a stick. I, exactly, yeah. And you can lots of great books, especially for fans of this show. You can listen to uh, Super Gods by Grant Morrison, which is all about like how the superhero uh, comics have changed and evolved over time. Or you can check out Marvel Comics, The Untold Story. Which is a terrific book. I have that both in hardcover and I listen to that on Audible myself in my car while traveling back and forth. And there's also another similar book that's called Slugfest, which is about like the, the wars between Marvel and DC Comics. Oh, okay. So that's another one you got to check out too. So yeah, head on over to audibletrial.com slash supercinemapod and start your free trial right now. You get one free audiobook and two free Audible originals and you can keep them even if you cancel before it's over. We are not enough. Each of us in our own way is held back. And I promise you, Steppenwolf is not out there talking about ethics. He's trying to burn down the world. The way we're gonna stop him is by using his power, this power, against him. I agree. I don't like the idea of reintegrating with the mother box, but I was running the numbers while you were being an asshole, and there is a high probability that we can bring him back. Right, right, but we mean bring him back in like a yay, he's back way, not in like a, like a pet cemetery scenario. You lose something when you die. Even Superman. Maybe not his mind. Maybe his soul. I'll have a contingency plan for that. If he wakes up and you're the first thing he sees, you'll need one. Welcome to the Superhero Cinephiles Podcast. I am half of your host, Perry Constantine. And as always, I am the other half, Derek Ferguson. How you doing, Derek? I am doing quite well, thank you. I uh, had an appointment with uh, the eye doctor today. To, oh, how'd it go? Oh, very well. He checked me out. It was in relation to those other health issues I was telling you about. Mm -hmm. uh, he checked out my eyes and uh, he said, yeah, other than the fact that you're blind as a bat, he said, there's nothing wrong. With yeah, I've got something like 6200 vision, something like that. Uh, but he said, yeah, he said, your eyes are fine. Okay, cool. So, yeah. So, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, you know what? I actually, because um, we got a new uh, a router for, um, for, our, for our house here, for our internet. And so we were oh, able sweet. to, 
yeah, so finally I could set up my VPN so that it works on different devices for different things. So, which means I can actually use Amazon Prime Japan, which I've been subscribed to for like two years, but I've never been able to watch anything on there. Oh. And, and so I started watching The Boys and I just finished uh, the first season not too long ago. I'm not sure. Have you seen it yet? Uh, no, I have not. <laughs> it is really good. Like I've read some of the books, um, but it is, yeah, it's really, really solid work. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I just, I'm just about to start season two, actually. Um, and then, uh, and also the Mandalorian's back. So I've, I'm all caught up on that and watched the first two episodes so far. Yeah, I'm, I'm, um, I'm just waiting because I think that this Friday is going to be like the third episode of the second season. I'm just mm-hmm. waiting, you know, I mean, I have patience. I can do that. I'm waiting until the whole thing is up there and then I'm just going to binge watch. Yeah. I thought, I thought about waiting too, but then, you know, I checked out Disney plus and I'm like, eh, I'm going to watch it. But yeah, it's like, um, first two episodes so far, really, really strong. And, um, and apparently baby Yoda has got a bit of a murderous streak in him. Uh, Apparently so from what I hear this last episode, you know, like most babies, he'll put anything in his mouth. (laughs) So like, yeah, they, he's, he's working on this, you know, I mean, it's not that spoilery, but he go, he's on this mission where he's got to protect this like frog woman or something. And she's trying to transport her eggs, which are like the last of her, her family's line. <laughs> Baby Yoda like eats like two or three of them. Good for him. <laughs> I was watching that, watching like eat this. And there's another scene where he, and like man, because he gets into them during like the, the ship has this problem. Mando comes down. He sees Yoda standing over eating one of the eggs. And then Mando's like, how many of those did you eat? And then Yoda just kind of like looks around. Yeah, like, who, <laughs> me? What? <laughs> it, still, it still amazes me that here it was, this show comes on Disney Plus and everybody just like kind of, yeah, well, Disney, they just tried to, you know, yeah. You know, people weren't expecting much of it because, of course, The Rise of Skywalker Mm -hmm. was coming out the same month that The Mandalorian, you know, made its big debut. Mm -hmm. And as it turns out that everybody hated The Rise of Skywalker and and loved loved The Mandalorian. Yeah. You know, know, that turned out to be the the big Star Wars event of the year. Easily. Uh, I mean, no, there's no question about it for me. I mean... Mandalorian is easily like one of the best things that has come out of Star Wars pretty much since probably I don't know in, in a very long time like it's it's easily like the best thing of it, it's I mean I, I I would watch the Mandalorian over like the original Star Wars really oh yeah like I mean I, Empire is still like the gold standard but I think Mandalorian is way up there because you know what it it does what a lot what Star Wars should have been doing all this time right it's got you've got this whole big universe this whole mythology built up around it but you just keep focusing on this one bloodline yeah yeah that's kind of you know the mandalorian is exactly what i think star okay star wars started out to be a western slash samurai movie in mm-hmm. space yes that's what it was and it kind of got away from that like you said it got caught up in the, the whole thing with the skywalkers and everything like that you know which I always say, you know, the whole universe would have been better off if they had never heard of the Skywalker family because yes. all they did just come in and just fuck up everything. Yeah, quite yeah. Frankly. 
They do. And it's all, it's all Qui-Gon's fault. Like if he did nothing, that kid would have stayed there on Tatooine and died there. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, I mean, Skywalkers do nothing to screw up everything, but, uh, but yeah, like the Mandalorian actually takes advantage, like you said, of this whole universe. Mm-hmm. And and it goes back to that, uh, you know, Spaghetti Western vibe. Yes, yeah. That I think works very well for this thing. I mean, because let's face it, this is Lone Wolf and Cub. I it mean, is. You know, they made, and you know what? I'm glad they make no secret about it. You know, I, I mean, I don't like it when creators, you know, they try to be coy and, and say, well, no, it's not really that because we're brilliant. No, mm. they were right in front of it. Yeah, this Lone Wolf and Cub in outer space. In fact, and, and I was, oh, totally. In <laughs> fact, I wasn't really that interested in The Mandalorian at first, right? Because I'm not a big Star Wars guy. Like, I like the movies, and but like Boba Fett, I never really got the appeal. So, so I didn't really care too much about someone who looks like Boba Fett. And so I didn't really, I wasn't too excited about it. But then when everyone started talking about it, and they started talking about how it's basically Lone Wolf and Cub in space, I'm like, oh, yeah. now I got to see this. Bingo. See, there you go. It got you somebody who has no interest, no real, you know, commitment mm. to Star Wars, unlike me, like who, who, you know, like I saw, um, I saw the original Star Wars back in 1977 when it opened. Mm-hmm. So I've been a Star Wars, and I was in my senior year of high school. So I've been a Star Wars fan most of my life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I have like a commitment to it, but somebody like you who don't see, and they got you into it by saying, oh yeah, well, it's Lone Wolf and Coven out of space. And, and you said, what? Yeah, <laughs> what? yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that um, that really made me want to want to see it. And then I, I, and I got hooked after that. After that, I was definitely all in on that. Um, so got a little bit of news uh, today. Um, apparently, it looks like there's going to be a, a Martian Manhunter in the in Snyder's Justice League. Really? Yeah, because I mean, he they hasn't said much, but he um, uh, it's been mentioned before, but and then he did he was doing um, uh, a, a live stream video with um, the Nerd Queens, and he showed a design on his phone. So yeah, it looks like um, he didn't really say anything else. He just said this is still just a drawing. Um, so, um, but yeah, so this, because uh, apparently last year, Snyder said that Martian Manhunter was, had, uh, was actually in Man of Steel. He was actually uh, the general that was played by Henry Lennox. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and so it looks like this was his plan, or, or I don't know if it was his plan all along, but if he's, but now he's, you know, he's got this four hours to play with. So now he's going to, you know, reveal that. I'm not sure what kind of role he'll play in the movie or anything like that. All we have is the design and, you know, assume that Lennox is going to be playing, playing John Jones. Which to me, and, you know, we're talking about Just League today. So we'll get into this more when we talk about the movie, because I've, I've always been like, for me, Martian Manhunter is Mr. Justice League. Right. I mean, he's like the he's like the key character in that lineup. He's been up until recently, he's been in every single lineup of the of the team. Right. Yeah. And he's always I, been he's always been one of my favorite characters. Yeah, he's always been, you know, uh, to me, he's like, OK, we, um, when people talk about, uh, say, OK, Captain America, mm-hmm. they always say, OK, well, it's like 
he's the Avengers. He's the heart and soul of the Avengers. He's Mr. Avengers. And I say, well, no, for me, it's Hawkeye. Mm -hmm. I feel kind of the same way about Martian Manhunter. When you talk about the Justice League, I think of Martian Manhunter as being the heart and soul of, of, of the Justice League. Because as you point, so actually point out, he's been in virtually every incarnation of the team. Yeah, yeah. And, no other, and there's no other member of the team that can say that. And, and um, what was, I think it was when uh, Kevin Maguire was uh, drawing it and uh, he was leading the team. Yeah, yeah. He's led the team on uh, a few different occasions, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, and, and I, I didn't, and I always thought it was weird when I first started, cause I first came in with, um, uh, was it was, um, uh, Morrison's run. That was the first, my first real introduction to the justice league. And, and I couldn't understand why the Martian Manhunter was there. Right. Cause I'm like, well, oh, you got all these, cause I didn't know anything about the history. I'm like, well, you got all the other characters. They're the, like, you know, DC's big, you know, big six solo heroes. They've all got their own, you know, their own titles and all that. And then you got Martian Manhunter, who's never been able to really sustain a title for any length of time. So it didn't make much sense to me. And then after I started reading it, I'm like, oh, I get it now. I get it now. And so it always, it always pissed me off when they did the new 52 relaunch and then, you know, the Justice League movie and they took Martian Manhunter out and they replaced him with Cyborg. Hmm. Because, like, to me, it's just not the Justice League if you don't have Martian Manhunter now. Yeah, yeah, Martian Man, you know, and, yeah, I I understand why they put Cyborg in there, but, mm -hmm. yeah, I grew up with the Martian Manhunter always being, you know, everybody else came and went as they, you know, please, but, you know, the Martian Manhunter was always there. Yeah, yeah. You know, he was always a mainstay, and... You know, I always saw him as being the guy that everybody on the team went. Even Batman, they went to him when they when they needed some advice, right? Or, you know, guidance or wisdom or, you know, whatever. You know, that was the guy that everybody went to. He was like the grandfather of, of the team. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are a few other things that have been not a whole lot of news, like just like because with everything in the middle of all this, uh, you know you know, the pandemic stuff, nobody's really, and with all the craziness going on with the elections and all that stuff, like nobody's oh, really Jesus. talking a whole lot. Um, yeah. But, <laughs> but it looks like uh, Peacemaker is going to, you know, the spinoff from, or I think it's going to be a prequel uh, with John Cena playing Peacemaker in HBO Max. Um, they've just added uh, Chris Conrad is going to be playing uh, Vigilante. And so he's going to be appearing in the show as well. So they're going to have a uh, one. Oh, so more. this is a prequel. I think it. I believe it's a prequel. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because you know what my theory was. My theory was I was saying you know some. This is all just an elaborate hoax to cover up the fact that he's going to die. Oh, I see. I see. Because I figure, yeah, in the you know, so that you know, we would all see it and say, oh, well, they're going to give him his own series. Well, then he's not going to get killed in the movie. Then we go to the movie and see it, and we see him get you know eaten by a bionic shark or something like that. We say, oh shit, I thought he was going to get his own show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. It says, um, well, details about Peacemaker are being kept under wraps. The series will explore the origins of the character. Oh, okay. Okay. So, you so, know, he, can I, still, so he can still get killed. Okay, you know what I think cool. they're probably, you know what? Here's what I would do. And uh, this, I would, I would have done it one. First, I would have this, um, release this prequel series right and then um i would have put the prequel out first and then depending on how people respond to it like if they like it if they don't like it 
then you have two you have two scenes uh, in the Suicide Squad movie. You've got one where Peacemaker dies, one where he lives. And if you know if the series does well, then you keep him alive and you do and you continue the series off from the modern day then. And if it and if it doesn't do so well, if it's not that response isn't that great, then you kill him off in the movie. <laughs> that that's what I would do. That's what I would do. Um, see what else. So uh, also about the Flash movie, uh, Brandon Routh was asked that if he would um, if he would come back as Superman again in uh, the Flashpoint movie. And he was doing an interview with the Geek House show and he said, he's like, well, it's always a possibility. And he said, you know, they're bringing back Michael Keaton and some other people from past DC projects. So he's he's on board to play Superman again. So that's, Ed, you know, if if you're listening, if, you know, Warner Brothers looking at this and they don't think, well, yeah, let's put super, let's put Brandon Routh as Superman in the movie. If they don't do that. I don't know what's wrong with them. You know what? I think they, you know what? I don't think that they don't have a problem doing it. I think it's him himself, Henry Cavill. I don't think he wants to commit himself completely to to uh, doing any projects mm -hmm. as far as Superman goes, because I do believe he's gonna, he's going to hold out for James Bond. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. That so bring in Brandon Routh for um, the Flashpoint then. Yeah. What's that guy's name? Um, not Brandon Routh. Uh, the other guy. Oh, Tyler Hoechlin. No, Henry Cavill. That's what I'm thinking about. Oh, I thought you were talking about the, the one from the TV show. That's, uh, what's his name? Tyler? Hoechlin, yeah. Right, okay. Uh, in fact, there's a bit of news of him, too. They uh, they teased a, there's a set photo of him in um, Superman and Lois, and it looks like he's got um, a slightly altered costume. Uh, um, it's just a really blurry like set photo, but it looks kind of like the, um, you know, it's got, it looks kind of like the new 52 costume with the, the red belt and everything. Yeah. So yeah, that looks like what they're going with for this one. And, um, another piece of news this is like the last thing really to talk. Well, two other things. Uh, first, I don't know why they did this, but, um, you know, this movie that Ryan Reynolds is doing called free guy right? Yeah. Yeah. That I saw the trailer for it. And I said, Oh shit, I got to see this. That looks so much fun. Yeah, it's it been, sure does. It's been delayed indefinitely. Oh, give me a break. I know. <laughs> oh God. I'm just so annoyed with this stuff. And cause it's already been delayed twice. And now it's just like, they don't know when they're going to, I'm just like, just put it on VOD. Yeah. I mean, really? I mean, seriously. Yeah. Just get, you know, just sell it to Netflix or like you said, VOD or Amazon mm. Prime or something and get it over with. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm surprised they haven't had, uh, you know, whatchamacallit on there yet, because I'm actually want to see the damn thing now. You know, uh, what is it? The Mutants? You know, the oh, New, New Mutants. Mutants. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I actually want to see. The, they should just put all of this stuff on. Like I said, and I've been saying they should either do one or two things, either just release this stuff to some streaming platform or just hold it for next year. Yeah, period. yeah. That's yeah. it. And just stop, you know, jerking us around with multiple dates. Well, it's going to come out next month. Well, no, it's not going to come out next month. Well, it's going to come out the month. No, it's going to come out at Christmas. No, nah, you know, listen, I don't care what you do. Just make a decision and stick with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Wonder Woman 84, another one that's been, you know, pushed around a lot, which leaves... Forgive me, I got to make the bad joke. Okay. We're all waiting for Godot. <laughs> Good one. 
Uh, <laughs> I, I've been, I've, I thought of that like last week and I'm like, I got to remember to say that on the show. <laughs> Absolutely. Listen, uh, hey, you know what? How often would you get to use that? Oh, well, you know what? I'm going to be, <laughs> trust me, I'm in uh, bad joke training for when my kid's born. Oh, absolutely. Listen. <laughs> uh, okay, so Wonder Woman 84, that's still set for Christmas. I believe so. But, you know, like we talked about last week that who knows, because even like yeah. the Warner Brothers is like, well, we hope. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you know what? I can understand. You know what? I'm not insensitive totally insensitive to the movie theaters, even though they got more money than God. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not totally insensitive. And yeah, they, you know, they want people to go to the theater and see it on the big screen and, you know, whatever. But I don't know. The thing is, is that at this point, we still do not know when it's going to be safe to go back to movie theaters. We right. really don't. I mean, I don't care what anybody says. We don't, you know, uh, there was an announcement yesterday that Pfizer, they said had a, they had a vaccine that was 90% accurate, mm-hmm. but then there were other stories that were coming out that they were saying they did not know the potency of this vaccine. Right. So like so far it's only, they've only confirmed that it's, it's, um, it's, um, effective for like up to seven days. So that's right. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, so what, so now I got to go back to my doctor every seven days and get a yeah. shot. Yeah, 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 I mean, yeah. So we still do not know. We mm-hmm. don't. And uh, I don't know. Movie theaters, yeah. I, okay, I understand the studios want to get the maximum return on their investment, but sometimes you just got to bite the bullet and say, well, you know what? Because uh, because uh, they threw in the towel with uh, what that, uh, what is it? That movie by Christopher Nolan. Oh, really? Yeah, Tenet. They say, oh, oh. okay, well. Oh, that, that, oh, yeah, they, they just finally decided to release it. Yeah, yeah, they oh, just said, okay. you know, no, well, okay, we're going to push out the Blu-ray and put it on VOD and, you know, just call it a day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, so anyway, that, oh, one more thing. I, I read a, a little bit of news on uh, WandaVision, and apparently the first episode leads heavily into the sitcom vibe. Like, they, they even filmed it in front of a studio audience. Dick Van Dyke was was kind of a consultant on how they did sitcoms back. Really? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I, yeah, read, and- I, read, I read a story about that today. They said, yeah, they was asking Dick Van Dyke, okay, well, how did you do this? And how did you shoot this? And how do we do this? And how do we do that? Yeah, But yeah, I heard that too, that they did the whole 50, yeah, they had a whole studio audience and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm so excited for that. That looks like it's going to be so much fun. Paul Bettany said that, you know, listen, he said, who knew I was so good at situation comedies? He said, I may have another <laughs> career. Oh, I believe it. I mean, I mean, Paul Bettany had this kind of like weird, quirky kind of like th- his humor in Civil War was really good. Right. Like when he when he walks through the wall and he's like kind of like, but I just, you know, the door was open. Like, he, yeah, I could definitely see him doing really well in that in the sitcom setting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that. There's a lot of things that don't excite me anymore, but WandaVision, yeah, I'm excited for that. I really want to see what they're going to do with that. Yeah, same here. Okay, so now, the uh, the elephant in the room, the movie that, um, you know, we've been, uh, haven't talked about yet, but we've been kind of dancing around for a while, and that's, I figured, let's get it out of the way, and that's uh, Justice League. Justice League is probably the, the one movie that we haven't, we haven't, 
reviewed as of yet, but we've talked about the most. <laughs> yes, I think that's definitely true. <laughs> we've talked about it. It dances about damn near every episode we've done, especially when we're talking about DC movies. Mm-hmm. But but uh, we have actually talked about. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't actually devoted an episode to it yet. So yeah, you're right. <laughs> I mean, because this movie had just like such a clusterfuck of an origin story, right? Because they did Man of Steel. Man of Steel did really well. And then they, and by that point, like Man of Steel came out in what, 2013, I think it was? Somewhere thereabouts. Yeah, yeah. So it came out, it was, I remember, yeah, because it was the same summer as Iron Man 3 and uh, Logan, or not Logan, uh, the Wolverine. And I do remember because that summer, I was real, my expectation was that, um, Iron Man 3 was going to be the, my favorite movie of the summer. Man of Steel was going to be a close second. And The Wolverine was going to be a distant third. And it ended up being almost a complete inversion of that list in reality. <laughs> <laughs> the Wolverine was far and away the best movie I saw that summer. Okay. And, uh, and then, you know, I go back and forth over which I hate more, Man of Steel or Iron Man 3. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> would, you, would you say, and I don't know, I... Uh, I've had this discussion with some other people. Would you say that Justice League is by far the most controversial superhero movie um, to date? I I think so. I was wondering about that myself. Yeah, I think it. I think so. I well, it's I don't know. It, yeah, I mean, I mean, because I mean, I mean, no, I was gonna say I was gonna say maybe Batman v Superman, but but now I think about it, like almost everybody hates Batman v Superman, right? Right? Like the only yeah, people who yeah. who don't hate it are are the Snyder fans. Yeah, everybody hates it, and I mean but, this is a movie that we're still talking about, and and is in line for what what really I call they're giving the whole damn thing a facelift. Mm-hmm, yeah, and representing it as what like a four-hour miniseries now on HBO Max is going to be for they're reshooting scenes they're right. doing all this stuff there's all the contention you know behind the scenes with them bringing in another director to finish the movie and stuff like that you know I mean this is a movie that I honestly can't think of another movie offhand mm-hmm. that has been as polarizing in recent years as Justice League yeah I think you're right on that because Justice League, it's a movie that didn't please anybody, really. Like, it was, like, even people people who hated Batman v Superman, you know, like me, it's like, well, Justice League is a definite improvement over that, but it doesn't, it still got a lot of problems with it. And then, you know, obviously the Snyder fans all hated it because Snyder wasn't, because Snyder got um, left production, so... So yeah, it's it, it's a yeah. I think I think you're probably and it, it's it's generated all this controversy since after. So yeah, I think you're right. I, I think I'll go along with that. Um. But yeah, I mean, and so they, it came after Man of Steel did well, and at this point, right, Marvel's already on a become a juggernaut because this is post Avengers now, and the DC's like, well, we got to catch up. Yeah, so they they rush ahead, um, Batman v Superman, and they put like all the Justice League characters in that, and then, and then <laughs> we get, um, and then like right after that, we're gonna get like a Justice League trilogy, and then after Batman v Superman tanked, it became like, oh no, it's not gonna be a trilogy; it's gonna be parts one and two, and then that doc downgraded again. It's like, oh, it's just gonna be one movie, and oh yeah, now Zack Snyder can't do it anymore. So, and it it was just a case of like. 
trying to run before you can walk. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Because as I've said before in other episodes, the problem with Warner Brothers DC has always been that they've been trying to play catch up. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they came out of the gate late. They didn't hear the bell. And by the time they realized what a financial juggernaut superhero movies were, mm-hmm. thanks to the MCU, they just felt like they just had to like do anything they could to try to chase, the, especially when Avengers made a billion bucks in what, mm-hmm. like two weeks? You know, they, I mean, you know, the suits at Warner Brothers went crazy. They said, okay, well, we got to get us some of that yeah. money. And mainly that's what Justice League is not, okay. First of all, I should say to y'all folks out there, if you didn't like me before, you're not going to like me now because I'm not going <laughs> to trash this movie. You know, and let me say something for a lot of y'all out there, the hypocrites, because y'all profess to hate this movie so much, but there's some of y'all that have the Blu-ray and the DVD and you've seen it multiple mm-hmm. times. I know myself, people that they, they profess to hate this movie so much. I said, well, how many times have you seen it? Oh, about 20 times. Mm-hmm. Uh, why would you watch something that many times that you say that you hate? <laughs> <clears throat> okay, so <clears throat> there's a lot of hypocrisy involved in this movie. So folks, well, I mean, you got that. I, there's a um, lot of hypocrisy with superhero fans in general, I've noticed. Like, oh. I mean, because you and I know people who, and, I, and yeah, I'll confess, I, I was guilty of this too. People who were, when, you know, when it was just comic books, there were people who would continue buying the comic book, even if they hated what was being done in the pages. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, that, that's definitely, that's just like a, kind of a carryover from that I see it as. If for no other reason that they could bitch, moan, and whine about how much they hated it. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, okay. So, so I'm not gonna waste anybody's time. So, so if y'all decide y'all want to, you know, go listen to another podcast, I'm gonna tell you right now. I di- don't hate the movie. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of it I don't like. Yeah, but then, on the other hand, there's a lot of it I do like. It's not. It is not a totally worthless movie. More than anything else, when I watch, and like I said, I watched it today. And usually when I watch it, I'm sitting there and I'm just saying, oh, damn, if they had just did this or if they had done, or if they took a little bit more time with that or if they had tweaked this and everything like that. There, 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 is the el- there are elements of a great superhero movie in this. This could have been the Avengers. It, it could have been, yeah. If they had taken it, if they had taken, as the song says, if they had taken their time and, d- and did it right. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there is a lot of good. Even with... Um, Cavill's stupid CGI lip, like he plays a much better Superman in this movie. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Like he, after he comes back, like the the scene when he's um, he's with Lois and you know, and she's like, "Oh, you smell good." And he just kind of like quips, "Did I not before?" Yeah, yeah. And then I when mean, he, there's a, there's a genuine warmth and humanity to his Superman and Clark Kent in this movie that we don't get. In Man of Steel or uh, Superman versus Batman v Superman or whatever, yeah, Batman, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a genuine warmth in this character, and I'm glad that you pointed out that scene with Lois Lane because, to me, that's one of the major strengths of this movie in that we have so many great conversations between the characters, mm-hmm. you know, all throughout the movie. The first one is when. Aquaman and Bruce Wayne are discussing crime fighting techniques. Yes, yeah. 
you know, he's oh, so you mean you really dress up like a bat? And mm. he's like, yeah, well, I did it for 20 years and everything like that. And I said, well, of course, what else will superheroes talk about? <laughs> you know, it's like that. Uh, there's the scene, my favorite scene in the movie is when it's Bruce Wayne and Alfred, they're, uh, they're in the plane and they're going around the country, you know, trying to, you know, like assemble a team and everything like mm. that. And they sit down and Alfred says to him, you know, one misses the days when all you had to worry about was exploded. Wind up penguins. penguins, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, and and I don't know. To me, that just tickles the hell out of me because when he said that, I briefly saw Michael Keaton and Michael Gow. They've got a, they've got a lot of that same dynamic, yeah. Like Yeah, yeah. Uh, next to, I mean, Jeremy Iron just, you know, they've had really good luck casting Alfreds. I'll say that. Oh, yeah, yeah. They may, you know what? They may not have got it right with Bruce Wayne all the time, mm-hmm. but they've got it right with Alfred. Every single time, like you have. Every you know. single time. Jeremy Irons, and Jeremy Irons brings such a, such a, he brings such a British drollness mm-hmm. to the um, whole relationship between, and never lets us forget that Alfred is the one person that could talk shit to Bruce and get away exactly. with it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do like his line about, um, you know, shall I, shall I pass her, shall I fly over and pass her a note? Will you be Bruce's teammate? Check yes or no. (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, such, you know, such great care. When is Bruce and Diana there by the lake and, you know, they're Mm -hmm. walking and she's telling him the history of, you know, uh, you know, these mother boxes and everything like that. Mm -hmm. And they're just walking and talking. There's a lot of scenes in here, a lot of great scenes where it's just two characters they take a moment out of the action to just sit and just have a conversation. And you don't see that in a lot of superhero movies. No, and it's just having a conversation. Yeah. And I, and I'm pretty sure those scenes were mostly added by Whedon because that's not really Snyder's forte. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty. Yeah. But yeah, they, and yeah. And you know what? That's that another point too, is just the cast in this movie is it's, it's a really well cast movie. I mean, almost all the Justice League is really well represented by their actors, right? I mean, you got, you know, Ben Affleck has really grown into his own as Batman here in Bruce Wayne, right? He's a much more, because in, in BVS, you know, he was much more broken down, right? He was much more Frank Miller Batman. This felt more like, you know, Denny O'Neill Batman. Yeah. And let me point out something for a lot of people that criticize Ben Affleck as Batman. Watch this movie again. This is the first Batman movie where we really see Batman's capability as a thinker and strategic planner. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not just, you know, pounding people, you know, pounding the piss out of people or overcoming them through superior firepower. He's actually making plans and he's strategizing and, you know, he's just acting more on a intellectual level than any other Batman, I think I've that I've seen since Michael Keaton. Yes, definitely. You know, and and that's and that's good. That's important in this movie more than anything because you got to have a reason for Batman to be there among well, all these like gods. Bingo again. I mean, he's up here fighting. You know, uh, you know. F- f- oh, he's up here fighting parademons and mm-hmm. and monsters and Steppenwolf and everything like that. You know, and he is so clearly you know, out of his league, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, so there's gotta be a reason why Batman is there. Yes. And that's the reason because he's the thinker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
and and just like his interactions with all the cast it it works really well like i love when he's with arthur in the in the back cave and he's saying can you put out you know like a feeler and then arthur's looking at him kind of like giving him like this side eye and then bruce <laughs> like wait, wait wait you do really talk to fish don't you <laughs> yeah. yeah see again another great moment yeah yeah <laughs> you really do talk to fans and yeah like you said all they just looking at him like you know dude get the fuck away from me and then um and then uh arthur has that line you know the water mostly does the talking which i'm betting arthur just said because he was pissed off that people keep asking him that question yeah 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 because the first, first time i saw that i'm just like that line doesn't really make any sense the water does the talking yeah the, but now it's I'm not watching supposed again, to and after watching aquaman and everything i'm convinced that Arthur just said that because he's sick of people asking him if he could talk to fish. <laughs> right. And no, something, okay, that's a good point that you make. A lot more of how Aquaman works and how he thinks and everything like that. Actually, when you go back and watch this movie after watching Aquaman, mm -hmm. a lot of what he says and what he does makes a lot more sense yeah, in this yeah. movie. And it's um, like you should have watched that. Okay. It's almost like they should have made Aquaman first. You know, I was thinking the same thing, like rewatching it. It's like, it almost works better if Aquaman came first. Yeah. Which or, at is, least, or at least parts of Aquaman. Which in fact is how I tend to, you know, when I usually have my home marathon of watching mm -hmm. superhero movies, I do tend to save Justice League for last. And I watch Aquaman and Wonder Woman and I watch all of those, you know, Batman versus, I watch all of that before I watch, you know, okay. Justice League. And then we also have the, and even though I don't really like him in this movie, I did like the conversations that um, Bruce has with Barry, right? Like Ezra Miller is totally miscast in this movie. He's he's the one person who just doesn't fit at all. You know, okay. See, I hesitate to use the word annoying when describing his character because I'm the guy who likes Kate Capshaw in Indiana Jones and the mm -hmm. Temple of Doom. <laughs> and everybody hates her because mm -hmm. they say she's annoying. <clears throat> but, I, okay, here's, okay, here's what, I think if they had just called Ezra Miller Bart Allen, because mm -hmm. that's who he's playing, really. He's Impulse. He's not, he's not Barry Allen, you know. He's like, he's know. not even really Bart Allen. He's like this weird mix of like Bart and Wally, I feel feel like. Yeah, if they, yeah. I think I could have took him a lot better if he had been some other Allen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he's definitely not the Barry Allen that I'm, he's not even the Barry Allen from the TV show. No, no, he's just, he's just this, I don't know what they were thinking when they wrote his character. He's this hyperspastic, you know, insecure, you know, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't. you know what? And Stephen Amell was right. They should have just cast um, uh, Grant Gustin. Yeah, I mean, really, that's exactly what I would have just did. Just, mm -hmm. you know, got him and just stuck him in there. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I mean, have no I, I, But you know what? These studios make me so sick with their little petty rivalries between the movie divisions and their TV divisions mm -hmm. and, their, and, and their strict policy of keeping them separate and stuff like that. You know, it's so... Oh, I'm not sure if you remember, but back when they were doing the Justice League uh, animated series, like they had a bat embargo where like Justice League, they could use Batman, 
but they couldn't use any of his villains or any of the other supporting cast members. They couldn't have like Nightwing. They couldn't have Robin, Batgirl. They were able to use a few of the villains early on, but then afterwards they couldn't use like Joker or Harley Quinn or, or Ra's al Ghul or anything like that. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. They had a huge, and that's also why um, like for a long time, um, Smallville had wanted to do, uh, have Bruce Wayne appear. And they were never able to do it because of Warner Brothers. They're like, no, 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 no. Batman is being saved for the movies. You can't use him on TV. Mm. And they have all these, they had all these stupid little rules about it. It was really weird. Mm. But and and they still they still do that, right? Like when um they want when they were doing when they started the CW stuff, like at first it was like you can't have Superman, you can't have Batman, you can't have Wonder Woman. And then Supergirl came out and eventually we're like, oh, okay, we'll let you have Superman one time. And they're like, mm, maybe we'll give you two again. And then eventually they do their own Superman. So it's just like, it's so, it's so weird. It's yeah, just completely like, without logic. Yeah, you know, they're like, you know, kids that are hoarding their toys. You know? Exactly. So, okay, well, yeah. you know, well, I got my toys over here and you keep your toys over there and, mm -hmm. and our toys aren't going to play together. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but I mean, and don't get me wrong, I like him as an actor, but he was just miscast for this role. The role wasn't written very well. No, I don't no. like that costume. I don't understand why, and people have tried to explain to me, I don't understand why a speedster would put together a costume that has all these fiddly bits, mm -hmm. you know, hanging on mm -hmm. it and, you know, uh, and all these different plates that are stacked on top of each other and things like that. I, I know, folks, I know. Bruce says... Yeah, this is the same material that they use on the space shuttle and how he, he, well, he runs at super speed. So I guess that's how he stole it, you know, and that's why the costume looks like that. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I, I don't buy, I, I'm sorry. I, I just don't buy it. I, yeah, don't, yeah. I don't like the costume. The costume makes no sense. And his characterization makes no sense. He, he does get in some good lines. Yeah. I was about to and say I the same do, thing. And I do like the scene where he's showing the insecurity, where he says to Bruce, he said, listen, you've done this for a lot of years. I've never been in this before. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know what to do. And Bruce says, just say one person. Yeah. And you'll know what to do. And he was, that's a great character moment right there. Cause he saves one person. Then when he sees he can do that, then he gets everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, a, yeah. I felt the, I was actually going to make, I was thinking of that line too, like that. Cause that's such a Batman response, right? You know, just like save one and then you'll know what to do. And and also like and he does have some other like funny little quips here and there. Like I like his line about um uh oh was when he he kept when he um when he I even though it makes no sense, right? I do I do think the brunch line is kind of funny. It, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense for Barry to say that or like to yeah. put it in the context of not understanding people. But it is funny because it's like, you. what is brunch? You stand in line for an hour for basically lunch. And I'm like, well, he's got kind of got a point there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, it may, listen, just because it doesn't make any sense doesn't mean he's, he's wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, when he asked Bruce, what's your superpower? And Bruce was like, I'm rich. I'm rich. Yeah. <laughs> he, did, no, he says that with total confidence. I'm yeah. rich. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best superpower of all kid mm, yeah yeah and then um and ray fisher right he doesn't have a lot to do with this movie and you know he's made <laughs> he's made no secret about why he thinks the reasons for that were but i, I kind of liked him as a cyborg 
yeah, I uh, yeah, I have no problem with his performance as Cyborg, and and again, okay, you know how I feel about this sort of thing because I've said this before. I have a problem with anybody, white or black, who makes a lot of money mm-hmm. from you know being in one of these movies, and and to me, you know, instead of complaining about how bad they treated you on it, you mm-hmm. should be using, you should be using whatever notoriety you got out of being in this movie to advance your career. That's mm-hmm. what you put your energy, to me, that's what you should be putting your energies into, but I'm not in that business, so what? Uh, yeah, but I I liked his characterization of Cyborg. Of course, he was acting with Joe Morton at any time mm-hmm. who plays his father, and Joe Morton is the type of actor that you can't help but be better when you're in a scene with him. And again, the the discussion that they have together, they have a scene where Joe Morton, he comes from the lab and he, you know, comes back home. And, you know, they have this whole discussion about what happened to him and how uh, Cyborg's mother got killed in the accident. Mm-hmm. And, how, and, and again, it's a nice little character scene. It's a nice little, this is a movie that is not afraid to have its characters talk to each other. Right. And have conversations about what they're doing and how they feel about what they're doing. For instance, the whole conversation about bringing Superman back to life. That's a great conversation because everybody Mm -hmm. in there has their own opinion about it. Should they do it? Okay, maybe we can do it. But if we can do it, should we do it? Mm -hmm. Aquaman says, well, if we bring him back, you know, there could be something of him that's gone. (laughs) Barry says, listen... This may be some pet cemetery. Yeah. <laughs> That's another great line when he when Superman comes back and he's like, oh, pet cemetery. Yeah. He said, yo, you know, cyborg. He says, Yeah, I think we, you know, everybody has their own opinion. Everybody voices their own opinion. Mm-hmm. And it says something about their own personality in their response to this. You know, yeah, it's enough that if if I recommend Justice League for any reason besides the outstanding action sequences because mm-hmm. i was watching it like i said i was watching it today and i said wow you know these damn the action sequences are very good mm-hmm. and uh but it's also for those moments where we have the characters talking to each other yeah now a few things i want to touch first off uh just a little note uh joe morton's got to stop messing around with uh cybernetic technology yeah <laughs> yeah that shit never works out for no him. no um <laughs> But uh, but you're right. Like the thing about okay, so here's the thing about this movie that is because you're complete. You're right. That conversation is really good, and I do like that they all have their own reasons for approaching this. The whole problem is like a lot of the conversation is hinged on the, they accept for a fact that this can be done, right? Like, and I'm just sitting there and I'm thinking, I'm like, how does Bruce even know that this will work? Right? Because well, it's just. Because it's, <laughs> but it's just like, because he knows nothing really about the mother box. He knows nothing about Kryptonian physiology. So it doesn't make any sense why he'd assume that, you know, Superman cells are just lying dormant and this can recharge them. Like it just feels so, it feels so out of left field for how they get from point A to point B. Yeah. And, and Bruce, and Bruce Wayne is not exactly like a leap of faith type of guy. Exactly. To, yeah. To just say, okay, well, you know what? I think it's going to work, so let's go ahead. You know, the Bruce Wayne I know, the Batman I know, wouldn't do it unless he know he knew one hundred percent it was going to work. 
that's another thing too, right? Like I kind of feel like Bruce's position, like the Bruce Wayne we know, he would be more closer to siding with Diana. Yeah. Right? Like you don't know what kind of stuff you're messing with. Right. D Diana would be more like the one. She'd saying, be more you know, willing to take a leap of faith. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, maybe it'll work. You know, if we believe hard enough and if we clap our hands enough mm -hmm. and we click our heels together three times and, and Bruce would be the one saying, nah, we could end up with an insane Kryptonian on it. Like Barry yeah. said, it could be Pet Cemetery. Right. Yeah. 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 So like, yeah, a lot of these, a lot of so the conversation is good, but the, the points of view don't really fit the characters. Okay. Fair enough. That, that's one, that's one of the things. Another thing is this whole movie, doesn't it kind of feel with the Superman stuff that it's set in a world where that it's a sequel to a very different Batman v Superman? Yeah. Because yeah. It's, I mean, it's not the same one I saw. I know. Cause you've got the whole world is mourning Superman. They talk about how he was a beacon of hope. And I'm just like, did we watch the same BVS? Cause I don't remember any of that in there. I don't remember none of that shit. <laughs> I remember everybody ready to, ready to, you know, burn Superman in effigy. I don't remember anybody looking at him as a beacon of hope. Alien go home. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and oh my God, he's going to take over the world one day. And uh, mm. yeah, that, yeah, that's what I remember. Since when did Superman become this shiny beacon of hope now? Yeah, I mean, he was, he was looked at completely, he was treated with nothing but suspicion and disdain in both Man of Steel and BVS. So just, it feels like they jumped over a movie here. Yeah, yeah, especially when you look at the timeline. Superman obviously didn't have, have enough time to build up enough goodwill with the people of the world where they would mourn him like this. Oh, and yeah. We do see, and we do see in this movie that, it, you know, the whole world is mourning for him. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, you make a very good point because you said, well, wait a minute. Did, wait a minute. Didn't they watch their own movies before they made this one? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And but I guess again, that's that's part of the whole, you know, we're trying to shift away from that. Yeah. And again, like I said, this was a movie that they pumped out real quickly. So yeah, they had to make leaps of logic, like the one you just pointed out, mm -hmm. you know, as far as the characterization goes. And they do it quite a bit in this movie. Yeah, you know, there, you know, there are quite a few leaps of logic to get us to where we got to go. Yeah, and uh, one of those, and you know, well, part of the reason they did that is because the um, the producers, the execs at Warner Brothers, if this movie didn't come out on its release date, right? If they had delayed it and waited until Snyder could come back or whatever, or not rushed it into, they would have lost out on their year end bonuses. <laughs> so that's really why they're doing here oh okay well listen <laughs> and also um the the scene when superman is resurrected like this is another example of something that it's just like there's a lot of good parts in it there's a lot of good moments in the movie there are a lot of good character stuff but the story itself it just like taking these leaps because superman comes back and he's like in this rage and he's like you can understand it with him being you know you know, acting out in shock because he's just been resurrected, right? I can understand that. But then when he goes after Batman and he he says, you won't let me die, you won't let me live. And he says, can you bleed, right? That whole, and he's speaking in that like very dark, you know, sinister voice. And then it's like, oh, wow, this is Superman is evil. But then it changes right away. And then it's like, no, no, he was just kind of in shock because once he sees Lois, he's fine. Yeah, right, yeah. Uh, first of all, I don't understand the whole 
thing. Okay, if he they had stuck him in a Lazarus pit, mm-hmm. I could have understand that because that's what the Lazarus pit does. It makes you crazy for a while. Yeah. You boil. But this thing was designed to work with Kryptonians. Mm-hmm. So why would it? So why would he be crazy when it comes? Unless of course it was you know. I think the it's mother pro- box. I think that's the idea. Is it's because the mother box, uh, mother box being interacted with it as well. But see, once again. This movie itself, okay, going back to what you just said, you know, this is something that should have been discussed and it should have been pointed out, okay, well, you know what, due to these two conflicting technologies that Mm -hmm. weren't meant to work together, now we're forcing them to work together, we don't know what's going to happen. And more than that, like the, you know, the the people behind the scenes, they should have understood, look, what's going to happen is Superman's going to, you know, go a little wonky and he's going to start lashing out. But otherwise, it's just like, oh, Superman is is in shock. Oh no, he's evil. Oh no, he was just in sh- it. It just because they just because they just wanted that scene where he he threatens Batman like that, with the same way Batman threatened him, right? And it just feels like they were. It, it's like it's that square peg in a round hole thing. Mm. It just doesn't it doesn't quite fit together well. But I will say that that scene when he's fighting off when superman's fighting off the justice league has one of my favorite moments in the movie when barry's running at super speed and you see and everything's like in slow motion for him and then you see superman's eyes move at normal speed and you're like yeah (laughs) and he catches him about the corner of his eye (laughs) he's like oh i see you (laughs) you ain't slick (laughs) yeah i love that moment And another thing, and I know we've talked about this before whenever we had one of our random digressions about Justice League, but has Ezra Miller never ran before? Has he never seen how people run? Yeah, yeah. I I haven't seen anybody run that weird since Steven Seagal. He's got these weird, like, arm flailing things. Like, what are you doing? Are you swimming? What is this? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, okay, again, another, I don't, I can't see a runner putting together a costume that's got all these excess, mm-hmm. you know, fiddly bits on it, you know, yeah. as I call them. And yeah, when he's running, yeah, it's more like he's trying to swim. It's so weird. It's, yeah, it's not, I said, wait a minute, didn't they show you pictures of actual runners? And you or- know, I also don't know why they have him, um, why they use blue lightning instead of like, it's always, you know, the, the flash right it's the trademark the the red the yellow streak right you've got the yellow i don't know why the lightning is blue in here it just makes no sense yeah yeah it makes no sense like you said it should be yellow or red Mm -hmm. and you know what and you know what if before flashpoint someone's got to take ezra miller and like and hook him up clockwork orange style in front of a tv screen and just make him watch tom cruise movies nonstop, so he can internalize how people look when they run hey yeah exactly exactly because apparently he's never run in his life. No, he's just going no. by this movie. I yeah, it's real. We it's I don't know. It, it's just that I think that okay. Best way that I could put this, we were talking about Iron Fist mm-hmm. in one of our episodes, and I said okay. The problem with Iron Fist is that if you're going to do a show where your main character is a master martial artist, mm-hmm. then it kind of would help you out if you hire an actual master martial artist to play and teach him how to act. Yeah, yeah. Or, rather or, than hire, or, or, rather or the other way hire. to do it is you keep the mask, right? You keep the Iron Fist mask. So yeah, um, 
what's his name can play Danny Rand when he's not fighting. But when you do the fight scenes, you put in a guy who knows how to fight. Right. Okay. If you're going to have a guy playing a super speedster who's, who, who, whose main power is that he runs very fast, well, then show him videos of Usain Bolt, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, a guy who actually does run fast. So yeah. he can get an idea, okay, this is how the arms are supposed to move. This is how the legs go. You know, the torso turns this way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It is no surprise to me that he actually spends a good deal of this movie falling over himself. Oh, if yeah. You, yeah. He tripped. If you notice, the Flash trips a whole lot in this movie over his own feet. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And um, let's see. Uh, oh, you know what? I wanted to talk about J.K. Simmons as Commissioner Gordon. Ah, inspired. It's, you know, it, you know what's so weird though is I remember in the lead up to this movie, like he was he was showing pictures of himself like training and like buffing up for Commissioner Gordon, and, and then you see him in this movie and he's wearing a suit the whole time. It's like, why? What was the point of that? Um, uh, my suspicion is that there probably was a lot more that he did. Maybe that we yeah. Didn't see, that we didn't see. But I'm just saying that you know what? Is there anything that the man can't play? No, no, definitely not. Because you look for some signs of J. Jonah Jameson in this, and it's not there. No, it's completely Jim Gordon. Yeah, he's completely Jim. I, matter of fact, he looked he looked like he stepped right out the comic book. I scared. I thought, oh shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Just he a, that was perfect. That was perfect casting there. Him, him, and Ben Affleck. They look like you know they stepped right out of a Frank Miller. Yes. Book. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> And I do like that. This is another one of those funny moments when he turns around and all the Justice League is gone except for Flash. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, oh, wow, they really just kind of disappeared. That's rude. Yeah, Flash said, yeah, that's rude. (laughs) But, you know, Jim Gordon should be used to that. But I guess he's not used to it from the other ones as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Oh, um, that's great. And I love the line where he says to Batman, he said, well, I'm, he said, I'm glad to see that you're learning to play with others. <laughs> and he's like, it might be temporary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then, um, oh, I was just about to mention something I completely uh, lost my train of thought. Well, let me give you a thought because I okay. wanted to get, I wanted, I definitely wanted to get your take on this as this is in a movie of a whole lot of, controversial things this is probably one of the most controversial the villain of the movie steppenwolf oh yeah i mean i wouldn't say he's controversial i'd say he's just kind of bland okay i mean he's just oh you go ahead you you give your your thoughts on him no i listen i you know what i'm trying to figure out what all of the problem apparently uh the problem with steppenwolf that everybody has is that it was steppenwolf and it wasn't dark side yeah, see, I don't care about that. That doesn't bother yeah. me. But it's just, he's just such a, he, he just seems like such a bland villain. Like, I, I almost forget Steppenwolf is even in this movie. Like, he's, he's got like, very, n- sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that he's a very basic generic villain. Actually. Very generic, very generic. Yeah, that that's my real problem with him. He's got nothing that sets him apart, right? Nothing that, he's, he's, a, he's a parademon who talks a lot, basically. Yeah, really, yeah. He's a parademon with an upgrade. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But he's got no real personality. We don't get any sense of why he's doing this, right? It's just all, he's doing it because he's evil. He's got no ambition. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, he has no personality. 
you know, he just talks about, well, yeah, I'm going to conquer you. Uh, I'm going to take over the world. I'm going to, okay, well, why? What are you going to do with the world? Well, I'm going to remake it. Okay, again, why? Why? why yeah. What are you going to do with it after you remake it? Basically, here's what it is. The Justice League needs something to fight, and that's Steppenwolf, for better or for worse. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know, maybe it'll be better in Snyder's Justice League cut, but it just... Because yeah, that was that was just if you're gonna do a Justice League movie and it's gonna be a done in one thing, then you know use a villain who's gonna be a done in one villain, right? Don't use someone like Steppenwolf that's gonna lead to a a sequel that's never gonna come. But then again, Perry, here's the thing. No, this is my take on it. Mm-hmm. The movie, you know what? The movie is really just all about seeing these six characters on screen together. Really, that's what it's about. Steppenwolf really doesn't, he really doesn't even matter. No, you're right. And that, and a lot of this movie, the, the ways this movie works, it is because you're seeing those six on screen together. Right. I like mean, those... listen, listen, okay. Who in their right mind does not want to see the first cinematic scene of Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman on screen together? Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, just them three. And then you add on the other three and you say, okay, you got it. This movie is mainly just about getting these characters together for future, you know, for whatever future movies that they had planned. Yeah. Really, that's it. Yeah. It is. And, and, and Steppenwolf is just a MacGuffin, yeah. to use Alfred Hitchcock term, to get them together. Yeah. And I, I get that. It's just, you know, it's such a disappointment when you compare it to how the Avengers got on screen together and how, oh, absolutely. how not only was that, you know, just amazing to see, right. That scene where you see Iron Man, Captain America and Thor all standing on screen together for the first time. Right. That's an amazing moment, but it's an earned moment or yeah. the same thing. When you see the, the, the rotating shot of the Avengers, when they're right in the middle of the Chitari battle, right. That's an earned moment. The scene here, when like you've got the whole league standing up at the end of the battle it doesn't feel earned. It feels very forced. It feels staged. Exactly. Yeah. It feels like, okay, this is the part where you cheer. And yes. nobody cheered when I went to see it. Yeah. You know, yeah. It wasn't like, like you said, that that moment where we first saw Thor, Iron Man, and Captain America. It was like, people cheered. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people cheered. The, 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 uh, the other scene that you named when they was in New York and they were fighting, people cheered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I went to see this in the theater, Nobody cheered, yeah. you know, because yeah, it felt like it was staged. It was forced. It it was, uh, an artificial moment designed to elicit a response from us. That exactly what, that, as you said, was not earned. Right. Yeah, and that's that's the main problem. Like it is, it is great to see these scenes of like Ben Affleck and Henry Cavill and Gal Gadot and all the rest, like really embodying their characters, and they do good work in this. I'm not going to take anything away from them. But it's just the whole thing is just so is just so staged, and it's just like everything surrounding it just doesn't measure up to the promise. And it's just it's not a bad movie; it's a disappointing movie. Yeah, yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not. I I will always argue against people that oh, it's horrible, it's bad. No, it's not. It's not a bad movie. It's a, I watched it today, and I was very entertained. I had and I haven't seen it in about like. I would say a good six months. 
And I was saying, yeah, you know what? This ain't bad. There, mm-hmm. There's a lot of good movie. Uh, there's a plethora of good moments in this movie. And like mm-hmm. I said, I think the action scenes are very well done. I love the action scenes. Yeah. I, you know what? And I especially love the little bits. Like for instance, when we see Batman, when he, you know, when he does his little action things, we hear the original Danny Elfman Batman theme. That was another thing I'm going to mention. I was going to mention is that um, so Whedon replaced um, Junkie XL was uh, uh, Snyder's composer on this, and Whedon replaced him with Danny Elfman, which I think was a good idea because Danny Elfman he works in the Batman theme, he works in the Superman theme, the John Williams Superman theme. Yeah, yeah. When Superman finally comes back, and he yeah. He pounds the shit out of Steppenwolf. We hear the Superman theme. I said, okay, okay. Now somebody knows what they're doing. Yes, yeah. And, you know, I mean, Danny Elfman, he's, you know, he's one of those guys, him and John Williams, they defined superhero music, basically. Oh, yeah, well, oh, yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, um, we said this in our uh, uh, episode when we were were waxing about... uh, you know, um, what was it? Superman. Mm-hmm. You know, Superman. And we, what, we spent about, what, 20 minutes talking about the Superman theme alone. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's I mean, that's like the most iconic superhero theme of all time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we talked, to, I mean, there's not a, we mentioned a little bit, but Jason Momoa, it, it's, this is when we first got his, um, like, there's a lot of, you know, it's so funny when you watch this compared to watching Aquaman. It so it feels so much like he's trying to be a badass and he's trying to impress everyone. And then Aquaman, it feels much more natural. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, but I do like the I did like the line when he's there on the in the troop carrier, and he he kind of he praises he's like you know talking about how hot wonder woman is and then she kind of wraps the, the lasso around his ankle <laughs> he starts being truthful about how he doesn't want to die <laughs> it's kind of you know what is they should have, okay i know that they were trying to make like the flash kind of like the comedy relief mm-hmm. of this movie but it should have been jason momoa because it he, been. He, he naturally is a funny guy yeah yeah he can be very funny without even trying and yeah you're right he he kind of works a little bit too hard at, at the whole badass mm-hmm. routine in this movie, but I'm willing to overlook it simply for the fact that I just enjoy him as Aquaman so much. Yeah. Yeah, same you know, here. I mean, it's pretty hard to, I mean, I don't know. You have okay, you were talking about the casting, and we have so many people in this movie. Like, I mean, for now, Gal Gadot. I mean, mm-hmm. for an entire generation, she's going to be Wonder Woman. Oh, definitely. Just like Linda Carter was mm-hmm. the Wonder Woman for an entire generation. Uh, you know, Jason Momoa for an entire generation, he's going to be, you know, Aquaman. This yeah. guy, yeah, Aquaman. He he's going to be Aquaman. Ben Ezra Affleck, Miller is not going to be a ge- <laughs> Flash's generation of the Flash. <laughs> no, no. They're going to look ben, at Grant Gustin. But go ahead, Ben, ben Affleck. Ben Affleck, I think that. Years from now, we're going to be looking at him as a missed opportunity because I firmly believe, based on this movie, Suicide Squad and mm-hmm. Batman versus Superman, that we could have had the be- we could have had the best live action 
Batman in Ben Affleck. Oh, without a doubt. Without yeah. a doubt. Yeah. I think I think if he had see, okay, here's the problem. He never got to have a solo movie as Batman. And also it's just like he's only allowed these brief flashes of brilliance in all the in each of these movies. Right? Like he's never in, you know, because the story is forcing him to be something else. Right. I mean, I, I don't really count Suicide Squad that much because it's basically just a cameo. But like in but in um in Batman v Superman, right? They're trying to force the Dark Knight Returns Batman on him. And and then in this one, he's much better. And if you if you take some of those flashes of brilliance in BVS and you combine it with Justice League and you give him his own movie, yeah, it would have been amazing. Yeah, because undoubtedly the best parts of BVS is with him and Wonder Woman. Or him and Alfred. And him and Alfred, yeah, those are the best parts of the movie. Yes, yeah. You know, and uh, yeah, I just think that it's, a, I mean, for my money, he had the best live action fight scene as Batman I've ever seen in any movie. Oh, it, hell yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the best, yeah, I mean, wow. That was phenomenal. So uh, that was like, remember yeah. last week we were talking about Mark Miller and when I'm <coughs> reading this stuff, there are sometimes when I read something like Red Sun and I just wish I could slap him upside this head and say, why don't you write like that all the time? Yeah. I feel I feel the same way about Zack Snyder when I see that scene in BVS. I want to smack him up the head and say, why can't you direct like that all the time? Yeah, all the time. Yeah. So I think that that's the only thing that is holding Ben Affleck back from being a truly great Batman in that he never had a solo movie. Yeah. yeah, of his own, where we just saw him as Batman doing Batman shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> and interacting, I mean, and you know, having greater interaction with other characters such as Jim Gordon and you know whatever villain they put in in his movie. Probably Ezra Miller playing the Joker. But <laughs> I mean, fortunately, we are going to get. We do. Get, we are going to see more of Ben Affleck as Batman. So fortunately, this isn't the last outing, right? Because he's going to be in the Flash movie. He's he's reshooting. He's doing you know extra scenes for um, for uh, Just Snyder's Justice League. So we are going to see more of him as Batman. Um, and we'll we'll see how that works out. Like with Snyder doing Justice League, I'm not sure if that'll be. Uh, if we'll get more of the Justice League Batman, or if we'll get more of the the BVS Batman. But um, Flash should be interesting. I'm I'm probably more looking forward to seeing what he does in Flash. Yeah, especially since um, the rumors that I've heard here and there is that uh, this is supposed to be the movie that's going to fix the uh, continuity of the DC. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Films. Yeah, that's that's the that's the that's the assumption. But I'm nothing person, confirmed, but that's the assumption. And it makes sense because that's what, I mean, that's what the Flashpoint comics did, right? They created the new 52. Well, I, well, I don't know. I don't see any reason why anything needs to be fixed because they already established with the Crisis on Infinite Earths thing that, mm -hmm. you know, there, you know, there's all these different Earths. So, but then again, I'm not running things, so. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? Uh, another thing I had about this movie that really kind of annoyed me is that they, plus that whole thing with the Russian family, that was just, that's one of Whedon's weak points is he wants to focus in on these normal people in the midst of all this. And it just kind of feels tacked on. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But they, I mean, 
there was absolutely no reason for that to be in the movie. No, no. Period. Um, but I will say I did like when um, when Superman comes back, right? And he, and this is just more of his um, the the great little little flashes of charm that Cavill was allowed to use in in this movie, right? Like when he um, first off when he comes back and he hears that other people are in trouble and he says, "Oh, they're civilians." And then Batman's like, "No, no, no, it's okay." Barry's after. Him. He's like, "No, there are too many." And then he flies away. That is Superman. Yeah, that is what should have been in Man of Steel. And I mean, you know what? Again, Henry Cavill had the potential to rival the great Christopher Reeve mm -hmm. as Superman if he had been given a decent movie to be in. Exactly. Yeah. The man was never given a decent movie to work with and show exactly what he could do as Superman. Mm -hmm. And we get those flashes in this. And um, so we do get that great scene where... Uh, <laughs> He's uh, he where Flash saves the family, and then he looks over and he sees Superman carrying the entire tenement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's carrying the entire tenement. You know, <laughs> which again is such a Superman moment. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and also when he um when he's with Cyborg and he says uh, he's like he's like when he blow back, he's like yeah some, but I think we can survive. And Superman's like okay, good because I kind of like being alive. <laughs> yeah. And afterwards, like oh, I wish I was dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, the uh, the stinger too, the post credits or the mid credit scene with him and Flash, like that's oh, just another yeah. example of him, his charm, right? He's just like he's like, well, you know, if I win, you're off the team. And then Flash is like, wait, are you serious? And Superman just kind of like smiles at him. He's like, no. He's like, but you have to take us out. To, but Bruce said you have to take us out to brunch. <laughs> but that's so, another that's another example of those those character scenes that those little co conversations yeah. that work really well. And know what? That's that is also such a great moment for longtime comic book fans who remembers every once in a while DC would have these races between mm. Superman and the Flash to prove yeah. who was the fastest. Yeah, is such a great. I I'm, okay. You know what? I'm glad you pointed it out because Ezra Miller did have another great scene where they're digging up the body and him and, and Cyborg are talking. That scene just feels so. Yeah, I remember that scene just feels so weird, though. Like they're they're digging up Superman's body. It just and they're bonding. Oh yeah, I, I, and I mean they're bonding over digging up Superman's body. Yeah. It... <laughs> uh, I don't think know. I really like that scene. That just it just feels no. so. I I understand what you're saying. It's like me, I'm just kind of like this. Just doesn't be. This feels like something we could have skipped over. <laughs> Grave Robin Superman's body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but okay, so one thing though is that you've got Aquaman on the team, and you're, you know, you're the writer, you're the director. You can set this final battle anywhere you want, and you've got Aqu You should set it on the coastline so you can see some Aquaman do some really badass shit. Like that was one thing that I felt was like another missed opportunity, right? Like have like a bunch of parademons coming through the air and then Aquaman summons up like a giant shark to jump out and 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 attack them. Yeah, but you yeah. But you know what? It's easy to just have him surfing on the back of a parademon. It is. I know, I'm just saying which is, like, they, which, is which was a cool scene, but it does just feel like a missed opportunity and a lack of creativity to to not put Aquaman in a place where he can really show off what he can do. I yeah yeah, and know what I understand completely. Which because 
if you notice, every other member of the team does have opportunity to show off their particular skill set. Right. Ex except for Aquaman, who is basically just a strong guy until Superman shows up. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's, you know, Aquaman is their powerhouse until Superman shows up. And once he shows up, well, then, of course, well, well, Aquaman and Wonder Woman, to an extent, become redundant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another thing, too, and maybe it's because I watched this movie, you know, so soon after Wonder Woman, but you can really tell the difference in directing styles between um, a woman director in Patty Jenkins and a man, male director in, in Josh Whedon. When you look at how they photograph Diana in both of those movies, like it really kind of stood out to me, just like the, the angles they use, the, the pl camera placement, it seemed a lot more, there was a lot, I really understood what they talk about when they talk about the male gaze. Mm, there's, they're way more gratuitous butt shots. Yes, lots more. And lots more like low angle shots, which are border on upskirt shots. Yeah. There's a lot more of that stuff. And, and you know, it's so, it's not like very obvious, right? But after seeing, like if I hadn't seen Wonder Woman, I probably would not have noticed these things. They probably would not have jumped out at me. But after seeing Wonder Woman and how Patty Jenkins filled, filmed Gal Gadot, it, it jumped out at me a lot more. I remember it jumped out to me a lot more, especially when I saw it in the theater. Oh, okay. Like over time, maybe it's just because I've gotten used to this movie because I've seen it enough times. But but yeah, in the theater, it definitely became really obvious to me. Well, I noticed that today when I was watching, I was saying, wow, so there seems to be an awful lot of shots of her butt mm -hmm. in this movie that I remember from before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, especially, that's... Especially, there's one scene, she's going to meet cyborg and he mm. says okay and he gives her address you know what i mean and she pulls up uh, on the street and she gets out, out of the car and she's walking up and down the street and it's more like she's a fashion model on a runway yes yeah yeah rather than you know she's going for a clandestine meeting with another superhero you mm -hmm. know because she's like stopping and turning and and posing and then she stops and then she walks a little bit and then she turns and poses again and then she said and i said okay cute rupaul mm -hmm. yeah 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 <laughs> all right um let's see and anything else to really talk about with this movie i mean oh one more thing of course the the very the post credit scene where you get to see deathstroke oh yeah with your favorite lex luther <sighs> You know, I was so excited because they show him in the cell and he's his back is facing them. I'm like, wait, that's not Jesse Eisenberg. Did they recast Luther? Oh, this is awesome. And then they reveal it's just some crazy guy and that Jesse Eisenberg is still in. And I'm like, damn it, so close, so close. And let me just say this. You know what? I'm not opposed to Jesse Eisenberg playing Lex Luthor 20 years from now. Yeah. He is just, he's just simply too, I mean, because listen, he's a phenomenal actor. I love mm -hmm. him. He is good. But he's yeah. just simply too young. That's all that, you know. He's too young. And just the way his character is written is just so, he's, he's much more Mark Zuckerberg than like um, Walter White, for example. Yeah. Okay. Again, that's another actor. That, okay. That's the guy they should have got to play Lex Luthor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. In fact, that's where I'm, I would love to see them like do another Superman movie, get Henry Cavill and Amy Adams back, get 
you know, Lawrence Fishburne back as Perry White, because that's a good casting choice as well, even though they kind of bastardized Perry White and turned him into this weird cynic, right? Who doesn't believe in like, um, in like, like the press can really accomplish any, can really tell truth or something like that. Like, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they didn't, they didn't have a good handle on, you know, Perry White. Perry White, it, 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 Perry White is like the last, he should be like the last of the great newspaper men. Right. He's you rough know. and he's um, he's a cynical optimist. Let's put it that way, because he believes that, you know, the journalism can can do good in the world. Right. Exactly. You know, I, yeah, I don't go with much as I like Lawrence Fishburne. I I don't know. See me and people are always telling me, oh, well, you know, that times change and, you know, uh, uh uh, we should always have characters be fluid and be able to change and go with the times every day. Okay, I have nothing against that. Really, I don't. As a writer, I appreciate the fact that characters have to grow and change mm -hmm. and and they have to mature and they have to evolve. And so, but there are some core basic things you can keep about a character because that makes that character unique. Exactly, yeah. You know, and if you take that away from that character like okay going back to um you know the whole james bond thing i hate to keep going back to that folks but that you know and, and i go back to that because i had this argument recently with somebody else where they were talking about well um they were talking about the girl who's the new 007 mm -hmm. in this movie and it gobsmacks me that people when i say to them i said well you do know that 007 is just a number there was a 007 before james bond james yeah, bond yeah. is the character james, 007 is the designation of his number mm -hmm. but this person i was talking to was of course was an idiot who had never read any of the ian fleming novels <laughs> so he didn't know what the fuck he was talking about yeah so <laughs> so anyway so i was saying to him so he said well well i don't understand James Bond could be a woman. Why can't you do that? I said, no. I said, when you steal a car and you file off the numbers and you paint the car and you present it as a brand new car, mm -hmm. that's Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, yeah. I said, it's the same with a character. Yeah, you definitely. You do not file off the, you know, and, you know, give it a brand new coat of paint and just say, okay, this is a brand new character. No, it isn't. Right. Then you're just, you're just, you're just, um, yeah, I, I agree with you with that. I mean, you got to keep those core principles. If you don't, then why are you writing this character? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, yeah, exactly. And plus, it's why not you like... And you and, wait a minute. And Sorry, you and ahead. I, both you and I, we've had plenty of conversations about this. The bastardization of characters that we've loved, that we mm -hmm. have seen, just for the sake of changing the character, there was no good reason behind it. Right. But the writers just did it because they just said, well, I didn't like the way that character was done before. Well, then why? Okay. Well, then why did you want to do the character? Yeah. Yeah. If you don't like the way the character, if you don't like, if you can't find that core of the character, then you shouldn't be writing that character. Right. It's, and, um, you know, like we said, we said before with Snyder, he said, like, my whole thing was I wanted to make Superman grown up. Like, well, you don't have to make Superman grown up. Like if you think Superman Superman is a character for everybody, he's not just a character for adults. And, and again, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you and I again something that we've talked about before. That's a large part of the problem with comic books in general and and superhero movies in that they insist on making these movies for 
adults. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, there's nothing in them. I mean, you know, for younger audiences, you know, that appeals to them. Right. Because they're making these movies for 50 year old white guys that have been reading them, you know, since they were 10 years old. Yeah. Yeah. And these guys insist that these characters grow up along with them. Right. I remember it was, I think it was Greg Rucka who said the fact that it's a Superman movie that I can't take my 10 year old uh, nephew or whatever to see is a travesty, right? He's like, Superman should be at the most a PG rating. And he was right. You can't really argue with that because Superman is this character who should be for everybody. It shouldn't be just for adults. Yeah, I, I've, I've told this story many times before. When I went to see Man of Steel, I'm in the lobby, you know, waiting to go into the theater. And there were all these kids that was, you know, they was excited to see Superman on mm -hmm. screen. You know, this was their first Superman movie. They was going to go see and everything like that. Okay, going to the movie. About 45 minutes into the movie, I'm hearing kids snoring or they're asking their parents, you know, can they go home? Mm -hmm. You know, this is boring. And, and see, that hurt me to my heart because any kid going to see a Superman movie, that should be a magical experience. Exactly. A kid should fall asleep or be wanting to go home. Yeah, I agree completely. And and uh, taking it back to, to Perry White, that's like the, the people who say, well, you got to change with the time. Well, even you look at real journalists, they're not all cynical, right? There are people, there are journalists, real journalists out there who believe that journalism is important, that it can have an impact and all that. So it's not like it's unrealistic to have Perry White be an optimist about what journalism is capable of. So as it, a matter of fact, you have Perry White as a counterpoint to the popular opinion. Exactly. Of what journalism is now in order to show people, okay, this is what journalism once was, and it could be that again. Right. Because we have guys like Perry White who still, you know, who still believe in the power of true journalism. Perry White is a very important character in the whole Superman mythos. Uh, you know, I've, I've loved him in all of his incarnations. I love the great Caesar's ghost. Mm -hmm. And I've always been of the opinion that much like Jim Gordon, he figured out a long time ago that Clark was Superman. He just never said nothing. Yeah. You know. Because he's not a stupid guy. Right, right. Yeah. And also, I think also another one you can put in that column is uh, Joe Robertson in Spider-Man. Oh, I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Robbie, oh, yeah. Knows, Robbie knows Peter's. And in fact, they reference that in Spider-Man too. Right? You remember that there's that scene where um, um, Robbie says something like, I heard Spider-Man was there and he's kind of giving the, Peter this look. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's like, oh, he, he knows what's going on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's not a stupid guy. He figured it out long ago, but he said, you know what? He's doing good out there. Mm -hmm. You know, so why should I upset the apple cart? Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And um, and yeah, and same thing with, with Superman. That's, you know, you put him in like, because everyone said that about Man of Steel and BVS, right? Oh, well, you know, Superman's not realistic anymore. Well, but then you look at Winter Soldier, right? Steve Rogers, Captain America stands apart in that movie and he stands out even more because of the world that you put his ideals up against. Everybody, everybody said you could not do Superman traditionally the way Superman is presented. Mm -hmm. They said that would be impossible to do in a movie today. And then what did Marvel did? They made Captain America. Yes. Yeah. And, and they put the lie to that because mm -hmm. this is Captain America 
with his traditional values mm -hmm. and everything like that. And like you so accurately state, yeah, the fact that they put him in today's world, that's the whole conflict with Captain America and the world he's in. Can he hold on to those values and uh, uh, and all of the things that make him who he is in this new world that he's placed in where everybody's telling him that everything he believes in doesn't matter anymore. Right. And yeah. He, exactly. And he's telling him, no, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So I think that's basically um, any, any final things you want to say about justice league? Only that for the five or six of you that are still listening. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You say you hate justice league. Okay. I don't get it. I un you know what? I can't even understand it because it's a movie and I don't think I hate a movie as much as a lot of people I know mm -hmm. hate this movie. It's not a bad movie, folks. It's a misguided movie. It, you know, it's trying for something. This is a movie that is trying to run a marathon before it even knows how to walk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it's not, there's a lot of good stuff in this movie to enjoy and like. And I hope that Perry and I have brought some of it out that when you watch it again, and I do hope you would go back and see it again and look at it through new eyes. Cause there's a lot to like about this movie is as I have said, ad nauseum, uh, it's got those great little character moments where it's just two characters talking to each other. Um, it's got great action sequences some of the yeah. best action sequences I've seen in a DC uh, cinematic movie. Uh, the villain is crap, mm -hmm. but yeah, it makes up for it with all of the rich characterization that we see in this movie. This movie, like I said before, basically is just to get these characters together yes. for future movies. That's really all it is. And if you take it on that basis, you know, and really, that's the only basis you should take it on. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 got lots of flaws. I mean, it's but the cast is good, and that's that's really the saving grace. Is the cast is is so good, and they've got these they do have these really great moments together, and and yeah, you're right. The action scenes are really good, even though I think the the last scene was you know set in the without thought to what Aquaman could really be capable of, but. And yeah, it's it's a, it feels like it feels like a, a rough draft. Yeah, yeah, that's what it doesn't. It, it yeah, no, what bingo? It doesn't feel like a completely finished movie, and mm -hmm. a large part of that comes from the fact that you know, as has been well documented, is that the original director. Uh, Zack Snyder, due to uh, family tragedy, he had to, you know, leave off in this movie, and it was uh, finished by um, Josh Whedon. Yeah, Josh Whedon. Yeah. So, um, all I can all I can say is that after watching it today, I am a little bit more interested in seeing uh, this new version of Justice League that's going to be on HBO Max. I believe it's next year. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's got to be next year because we only got <laughs> yeah. almost gone. No, it's but, coming out in like December of next year, I think. Yeah, but after watching this, yeah, I, you know what? I'm a little bit more 
interested in seeing what they do with it, mainly because, um, as I always say, I see the potential in this movie. This movie had a tremendous amount of potential. Oh, excuse me. A tremendous amount of potential to be the Avengers. Yes. Yeah. You know, it did. And I think as well, um, I, you, but you know what? I don't, I'm, I'm of the opinion that I actually think this is an improvement despite it not being, despite it feeling unfinished and like a rough draft. <clears throat> I'd still think that this would have been an improvement over what Snyder would have done. I think a lot of the the stuff with like Superman, a lot of the, you know, Batman's growth and change in this movie. I don't think we would get as much of that in in Snyder cut in the Snyder cut. Do you know? Okay, this is how I. Okay, this is how I knew. I said, "Oh, okay." See, he put his foot wrong right at the start of the movie when we get the opening credits, mm-hmm. and he plays that song. What's that song? Uh, Oh, uh, Mad World, I think it? No. Oh, no. Everybody knows, the Leonard Cohen song. Oh, that that one. Everybody knows. Which was such a blatant attempt to try to recreate, you know, the Watchmen. Mm -hmm. You know, and I said, no, 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 Zach, you shouldn't have did that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You you know, you shouldn't have done that. But that could have been, that could have been a Whedon choice, though. You think so? I don't know. See, because, you know, it's, it's hard to say. Because despite, because Zack Snyder is credited as the only director on this movie. So it's hard to say like how much stuff was completely of his was tossed out. How much was, because there's, I I don't, so I don't know, but you're right. It does. It feels like a Snyder thing to do, but it could have also been Whedon trying to do what he thinks Snyder would have done. Mm, Okay. I'll go with that. But I'm just saying that you are right. Yeah. You know, it set the wrong tone. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, for the movie. You yeah. know, it, uh, to my mind, it should have been more like the opening of, I don't know, Superman the movie. Mm-hmm. They should have had a big bombastic theme song and, you know, credits flying across the screen and stuff like that. Instead of starting out with this somber, dark to- tone that is, you know, and like I said, it just struck me too. And the thing with the guys trying to rob the fruit stand, what, what, why was that in there? Yeah, that was kind of like, I guess they're trying to show that, you know, the world has become hope. They're trying to emphasize the hopelessness. I am, from a story point of view, I understand what they were trying to do, but it just, it, but it didn't quite, it didn't, they didn't stick the landing. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're, they're, the whole point, they're, they're trying to start off the movie with this idea of like, hope is dead now that Superman's dead. So I understand it from that perspective, but it just, they don't quite stick the landing very well. And, um, okay. So I think that's that's about all we, are, we got to say on Justice League. Oh. oh, you got something else? Two more words. Okay. Diane Lane. Oh yeah, yeah. You know what? It's so funny because that she's playing um, Superman's mom because uh, she was uh, Ben Affleck's love interest in the movie where Ben Affleck played George Reeves. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, Hollywoodland. I'm pretty sure she was his- Oh, uh, okay. Uh, let me just double check here. I've never seen that movie. You never saw Hollywoodland? I've never seen it. It's okay. It wasn't anything you know spectacular, but it was. he he did a good job as uh, George Reeves. Yeah, that's what I heard that it was, uh, you know, the life story of George Reeves. And, yeah, yeah, she played, you know, Diane Lane played uh, Tony Mannix. Okay. 
so so now we know um now we really know why um why they fought you know uh superman found out that batman fucked his mom uh, hey <laughs> serious shit man but you know it, it is kind of funny though because diane lane is only like a few years older than henry cavill yeah yeah <laughs> but you know what diane lane is in the pantheon of actresses that should have had a far bigger career mm-hmm. diane lane is probably number two or three yeah yeah she should have had a way big, and I don't know. Maybe that's because she didn't want a bigger career. You know, I always, I always kind of feel funny because then I feel like I'm, you know, like I'm trying to speak for that person. Mm-hmm. Where some actors are actually kind of happy not being, you know, mega stars, anything like that. Right. But I, but you know, I always felt that she should have had a far bigger career than the one that she had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. All right, okay, so. That does, we got the elephant out of the room. We finished talking about Justice League and now we'll, hopefully we don't have to talk about it again until uh, the Snyder Cut comes out. Eh, we probably will. We probably will, yeah, let's be honest. <laughs> we probably will. All roads lead back to Justice all League. All roads lead back <laughs> to Justice League. <laughs> all right, so that was my pick. That means uh, next pick is yours. So what are we gonna watch next? Oh my God, okay. Um... Okay, I'm going to loop back around because we had talked about this movie briefly when we did the uh, Brightbird. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was talking about how this movie could very easily fit into the same universe and it'll give us a chance to talk about, you know, one of the most, who I feel is a misunderstood director. I'm talking about, of course, uh, the movie Chronicle. Mm-hmm. Directed okay. by directed by our good friend um, Josh Trank. Yeah, Josh Trank. Yeah. Okay, sounds cool. So I have to look that up somewhere because uh, um, that's that's one of the movies I don't own. It's not on Netflix, and this is a movie I actually haven't seen before. So this is uh, this is gonna really? be really yeah. I haven't seen Chronicle. Oh, okay. So oh well, then I will be even more interested in hearing what you have to think because you've seen Fantastic Four. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Or fantastic for or whatever. Oh, the, yeah. I don't know what that mess was supposed to be, but anyway, yeah. So, uh, yeah. But I'm interested in. I am even more interested now in hearing what you have to say, because uh, you know how I feel about Fantastic Four. I don't. Mm-hmm. I do not credit the failure of that movie to Josh Trank at all. I credit right. it to whoever hired him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. I have no idea why somebody after seeing Chronicle would think that he would be the perfect i can't imagine you, you know what he'd be perfect for fantastic four i really can't unless mm-hmm. the person who hired him had no idea what fantastic four was about which which knowing all the things i've heard about movie executives is probably very close to the truth and that was you know that was fox so that makes a lot of sense that they just yeah <laughs> yeah they just didn't know mm-hmm. uh okay um so I'll have, to, I'll have to track that down and I'll be, I'll be watching that. And so join us next time. We'll be talking about Chronicle. Until then, head on over to our, our Facebook group, uh, facebook.com, Superhero Cinephiles. Uh, found us on, find us on Twitter or Instagram, Super Cinema Pod on both. And uh, head on over to the website, superherocinephiles.com. You know, uh, you can find links to all the podcast providers there. Give us a review, toss us a few bucks through uh, the PayPal donate button. Anything that helps us out around here. You stingy bastards. (laughs) (laughs) All right. 
thanks so much for uh, for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Yes, thank you again. Like I always say, Perry and I do not, you know, take it for granted that you choose to spend valuable time out of your day listening to our podcast. Uh, it means a lot to us, and we hope that we were able to inform as well as entertain. Mm -hmm. Thank you. God bless and good night. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Superhero Cinephiles podcast. If you have any questions or comments about this or any other episode, or if you have a superhero movie or TV show you'd like us to cover in a future episode, you can email us at superherocinephiles at gmail.com, or you can also visit us on the web at superherocinephiles.com. If you like what you hear, leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Each review helps us reach more potential listeners. You can also support the show by renting or purchasing the movies discussed or by picking up our books, all of which can be accessed through the website, as well as find links to our social media presences. The theme music for this show is a shortened version of Superhero Showdown, a royalty-free piece of music courtesy of Fezleonstudios.com. 